Federico. John. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you here. Oh. Uh, I'm glad to be on the show. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I'm just Well, <laughs> I can tell you, I did my research on all the things you care about. So we're going to talk about the Mac Pro <laughs> and um, watches. And American sports. Yes. I'm all. <laughs> I'm all. I'm ready. Oh, uh, did you see? Did you see? I mean, just 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 knock it out of the way easy. Did you see uh, uh, Marquez Brownlee's <laughs> video? Where he, yes, I did. He got the wheels for the Mac and Pro, and it, no brakes on those wheels, and they're. They spin so freely, like, so, and the floor of whatever room he was in is obviously off by like maybe like a half of a degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's obviously not like a crooked floor. It's a very nice looking <laughs> room. And when he just lets go of the Mac Pro, it just starts rolling away. You don't want a computer to ro- to run away from you. Yeah, like a Usually. thirty to forty thousand dollar computer just going away. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I. Don't, I don't plan on buying a Mac Pro anytime soon. But if I were to buy a Mac Pro, I totally would get the wheels. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's it just looks fun. See, uh, yeah. How much yeah. are the wheels? <laughs> they're like a hundred dollars each, right? Four hundred. So. Yeah, they're they're a hundred dollars each. But I mean, I, yeah. Hmm. I love that they don't come with locks. <laughs> so I, I was thinking like it's so strange i mean i mean I guess maybe it's too soon but maybe somebody like belkin you know these like third-party manufacturers that have like a relationship with apple maybe they should make a version that has locks i i can't help but think that there will be i mean because you know that there's because the the uh pro display xdr has take standard visa mounting you know, there's already – it doesn't – you know, it, nobody has to make it custom for it. There's already all sorts of standard arms and wall mounts you can get for it and stands. Um, I can't help but feel that there's going to be third-party options for the wheels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the the one cost $100 per wheel. <laughs> also, that'd be nice. Uh, I just remember I haven't seen the wheels since WWDC – uh uh-huh. you know like you, you did you you got to the hands-on area right well was... you know i actually i never went <laughs> i was desperate for some coffee and yeah. you know the, the, like they serve the worst coffee like as oh. time, i was just looking i was just looking for some espresso but the, uh, the what's the name of the place that closed down like uh social policy in san yes. jose yeah used to serve well some kind of espresso and it was like the, it was like the only place where I could get espresso in San Jose, because you I, know San Jose, like the whole place is mysteriously devoid of any sort of normal coffee place. But Social Policy used to have espresso, and it was like five bucks for an espresso, like totally insane. But it closed, and so last year after after the keynote, I had a, this terrible headache. <laughs> <laughs> and so the <laughs> PR tells me, he's like, hey, uh, there's a hands-on area. You should go play around with the Mac Pro. And I was like, yeah, maybe I will go. I was just basically roaming around the convention area, just yeah. looking for an espresso. And I never went. <laughs> and I kind of regret that. It was across the street, which is unusual. I, I know. <laughs> because, A, the, the San Jose Convention Center is enormous, and you would think there would be plenty of space in there. 
but they they did have a truly uh, i mean i'm not i don't i didn't really spend enough time in there so i kind i i did go in but i kind of missed out um but I can kind of see why they did it across the street, and it wasn't going to be there all week, and it was definitely not intended for developer attendees. It was it was definitely set up as a press hands-on area mm-hmm. that required an awful lot of Apple um, staffing. You know, to to mm-hmm. you know, they had real pros from their real pro teams talking about the tools you know it, it was not something that they that they intended to staff all week so i can see why they didn't set it up in the convention area but the fact that it was across the street i, I can kind of see why you didn't make it and and, and it sounds so funny because it's just quote unquote across the street but that street is a real pain in the ass to cross mm-hmm. too because because there's like train there's like trains that can, run down the middle of it you can die if you it, like cross the street it feels like there's hardly any cars, which is a very unusual for America, but there's trains that come by frequently and don't stop and could easily kill you. And then the rest of the traffic are people on those uh, rent-a-scooters, <laughs> which oh, are God. not dangerous at all. <laughs> well, not dangerous you know, to you as a pedestrian. Those scooters made their way to Europe and Italy specifically, like just a few months ago. A bunch of cities here started passing regulations to allow the scooters. But mm-hmm. I think we have more regulations than in the United States, like more speed control and stuff. Mm. Um, so they, they may be less dangerous now, but I'm not yeah. sure. Philadelphia, I will not try them again. Where I live, Philadelphia, they are uh, – because in, in America, so many things are um, left to – not just states, but cities, you know, individual mm. cities have different regulations. Uh, and the city of Philadelphia qualifies them as motor vehicles. And so you need like license plates and driver's licenses. So we, we have none, none of them in Philadelphia. Although it was funny, oh. you know, these companies are so weird. Uh, like Lime, I think it was Lime and. <laughs> Somebody figured out, and my wife is the one who found it, but she was just on like one of the local news sites, you know, just like a blog about Philadelphia stuff. And, Mm. you know, I don't know, like a year ago, it was like uh, three limes showed up in Philadelphia. It's like somebody just fired up the lime app and it was like, now there's three of them in Philadelphia. Just three, three scooters (laughs) for a city of five million people. And it was like, is this real? And it was like, that's how, like, sometimes, apparently that's how they, like, roll it out sometimes. It's like, uh, you know, like, I guess it's supposed to create buzz, you know? <laughs> and then the city was like, uh, these are illegal. And Lime was like, oh, yeah, we didn't mean to do that. And then they took them away. And it was like, what do you mean you didn't mean to do it? You know what I mean? Like, what? Like, somebody drove their Lime from, you know, some other city <laughs> and dropped it off in Philadelphia? <laughs> but anyway, to Philadelphia. Anyway, I didn't really I didn't spend anywhere near as much time in that hands-on area as I wished that I had. I had briefings and a couple other things and the next thing you know, I went to go back and they're like, "Uh, it's closed, dude." And I was like, "Oh, yeah. crap." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but did it have wheels? Yes, they they had okay. the wheels there. Um and I was actually talking to Jaws there and it was on Monday after the keynote. And, uh, you know, Jaws was on my show later that week, too. Um, but I was just chatting with him briefly there, and I asked him if I could ride <laughs> if I could ride the Mac Pro like, like a little scooter. And he said no. 
But they did have the wheels, and I got to play with them. And I can vouch that at least at WWDC, they were very nice wheels. So I'm not surprised at all. Like it's almost like the the MKBHD problem, where it just starts rolling if your desktop or floor is ever so slightly tilted. It's almost like you'd want them to be worse wheels. You know what I mean? So that there'd be a little bit of friction, so that Mm -hmm, you know you mm kind of have to push it. Yeah. I don't know. It just looks fun, though. Like, if I were to have a computer like that, I would like it to have wheels, <laughs> just for the fun of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, until it starts rolling away. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just got a long extension cable, and yeah. that's going to be fine. Uh, all right. While we're talking about WWDC, let me mention something. I'll bet this has come up uh, in your circles as well, but uh, the, with this coronavirus that is spreading mm. around there. And I know it's only late February right now, and mm. WWDC almost certainly is scheduled for early June, which is where it's been every single year except for one for like the last, uh, I don't know, 15 years. Um, and for like the last 10 years, it's always been 10, 11, 12 years. It's always been, I think 2006 was the weird year where it was mm. in August. Um is WWDC going to be canceled because of coronavirus is the question right. on a lot of people's minds. And it seems ridiculous in February, but I actually think like watching the news, I think that it's got to be – I put the odds at around 30 to 40% chance, yes, WWDC mm-hmm. will be canceled. What yeah, do you, uh, Facebook just uh, Facebook just canceled uh, their developer conference at, today. Yep, they, and that's a May conference. That's, yeah, yeah. So um, – and I just saw on the news, I mean, we're here in Italy, uh, the virus spread like super quickly, like until yeah, it's last weird. week. Right. It's so weird because un- like until last Thursday, there were no confirmed cases, basically. And from Friday up until today, um, like in, so in six days, we went from two cases to I think it's 600. It's wild. And I just saw on the news yesterday that uh, California started seeing the first confirmed cases yeah. of uh, the virus. So it's starting to look likely. And a bun- I also saw that a bunch of uh, video game companies started pulling out from GDC, so the Game Developers Conference, which is in yeah. San Francisco, usually in March. And it seems very likely that the whole thing is going to be canceled as well. So and I don't know. Mo- what, what, what do you think will happen if WWC gets canceled? Uh, so if it gets canceled, I would, and let's assume that we're not looking at a, a true global pandemic, right? Right. And, and I mean, I don't think we can take that off the table at this point. I think it's, you know, I I think anybody who wants to be realistic about this can see that this is a very serious, um, situation. It's already, you know, I mean, there's, you know, hundreds of people dead, thousands, tens of thousands sick around the world, especially in China. So it, I'm not making light of of the situation right now today, but I think anybody being realistic has to look at this and say this might be one of these like once in a generation things that that truly is a pandemic. And in that case, of course, everything's going to get canceled, right? The whole world's going to be affected. If it stays more like it is now, right, where it's it's still out there. It's still floating about. There's still spreading. There's still, you know, they're tracking, you know, as it moves around the world and, you know, air travel is still a thing. You know, it's not like airlines and airports are shut down. 
what I would guess Apple would do is hold a I well, I guess what they could do is they could either postpone until August mm-hmm. or something like that, or um, kind of do it virtually. I mean, this is, and mm. you know, uh, me chatting in a group slack with a bunch of friends is just you know just a spitball idea but the idea would be maybe what they would do is hold a press event at the steve jobs theater just invite media but again is mm-hmm. that even just that is inviting 300 media to a steve jobs theater is is even that problematic i i don't know yeah. um but this would be the idea it would be all right what if they still hold a wwdc keynote I don't know what they would call it because it's not really WWDC, but they would still hold the event to do all the stuff they want to announce, right? Because Apple likes doing that, I think. I th- I don't think that it's like Macworld Expo of years gone by where Apple eventually got to the point where they were they didn't like having this thing on the schedule in January and whether they're ready to announce anything or not, they have to do this keynote and when they had the opportunity to beg out of it, they they took it, you know, which effectively canceled the whole conference because without that keynote, there it, it just sort of took the air out of it. I don't think they feel that way about WWDC. I think they like WWDC. I think they like having developers there. I think they find it energizing. Um, I really do. I know it's you know it's a lot of work for the engineers who do it, right? Because the presentations are all. Done. It's not like there's some special team of WWDC presenters who who create all these sessions. You know, if there's a session yep. on shortcuts, what's new in shortcuts? It's presented by somebody or people, multiple people, right? From the shortcuts team, it's the people who made it who are the most intimately familiar with it who do it, and it's you know those presentations aren't things they whip together at the last minute, right? I mean, I, I mm-hmm. would guess they start, they're, they're starting to work on them now, right? Yeah. Um, so they could still do all of that work. And, and, you know, I, it's a lot of work, but I feel like Apple, you know, it's worth it. Apple wants developers to use new stuff, right? And so without teaching and, and having these sessions where you can learn about the new stuff, how are you going to do it, right? So I don't think they, it is a lot of work, but I don't think they resent it. I think that they enjoy it. I think mm-hmm. they like the opportunity, but I guess what they could do if this vi- virus makes them or, or or they feel like they should, even if they don't have to, but feel like it's the the safe thing to do is cancel the actual, let's get 5,000 people in San Jose together, is do it virtually. And, you know, that's how most people around the world actually experience WWDC anyway, right? Because there's, mm-hmm. you know, the with the lottery and everything, I don't, you know, there's 5,000 attendees or so. And obviously, at this point, tens of thousands of developers around the world who consume the entirety of WWDC via streaming. So what if everybody did it via streaming and they just have the presentations, they still do all the work they would have done if it was going to go on, but the entire thing goes through the WWDC app in terms of your experience, and then the press event would just be for press only on Monday morning and they'd have it at the Steve Jobs Theater. That's my spitball idea. Mm. They could do that. And I mean, they've also done uh, in the past, like when a new iPhone comes out, they have done uh, pre- new presentations for new technical features, like new APIs about the new camera, for example. Mm-hmm. And they have just posted those on the developer website. So it's not totally new to 
talk about new APIs, and it's just available via streaming, right? right. I guess the, the main downside maybe is that you do lose with the remote event, you lose the, obviously, the personal contact. And for a lot of developers, that's, uh, there's a lot of value in you know, right. being able to go to the labs and actually get your code in front of somebody who works at Apple that can give you pointers and suggestions. And you lose all of that uh, with a remote event. Uh, and I highly doubt that Apple would do some sort of <laughs> chat feature where like a developer can, I mean, I guess it could be even possible for a developer to talk to somebody directly during WWDC week. But I, I mean, going to the labs in person, um, like physically, uh, yeah. go there is totally different experience and you will lose all of that. But yeah. also like not having, I think they should, I, I think I agree with you, they should still do some kind of WWDC, even if it's just uh, like a like a streaming only one, if only because it sets so much of the narrative for the year, at least in terms of software. Uh, it's it's a, as you said, it's a way for Apple to they like doing this because yeah. it's also a way for them to share a, a story and and a, and a strategy for the next few months. Yeah, and and they really they've always been a company of habits, and you know. The, the, there's an annual calendar to Apple and following Apple. And it, I guess it's never set in stone and never assume that anything is permanent. Um, you know, but I, I do feel though that internally they, they clearly feel it's a good idea. And, you know, I think some of us on the outside talking about software quality, which we can get in, into as the podcast, mm. as the show goes on, might disagree with with this to some degree that it's good, but that the annual schedule they have the OSs on is clearly a deliberate strategy on their part. I mean, they they, they almost come out and say it. They very seldom, you know, at a, the executive level, like to explain their thinking. They're secretive about why they do what they do. They're just like, you know, here's what we have. Here's what we're going to do. Well, why? Why do you like? Why do you tell us everything that's coming for the next year at WWDC? They don't want to tell you, but they clearly, you know, it, it's so many years in a row where they've been doing it this way. And iOS has always been on this annual schedule. I, I, I ever since the original iPhone came out, there have been major new integer dot o releases of iOS. You know, even before iOS had a name. And, you know, now that iOS and iPadOS are two different names, they're still on the same schedule. And, you know, tvOS, which is built on iOS, has the same fundamental version number. It's tvOS 13.0. WatchOS has been on the same annual schedule. macOS, which in the early years of iOS was not on an annual schedule anymore and, you know, is now, and I feel like it's all very strategic. I think Apple thinks it keeps them honest. I feel like they feel like this is a way that they can, you know, and at some level that, you know, it's undeniable. You know, we can quibble about whether they push too fast and do new features faster than they fix bugs, etc. But at some level, it obviously keeps them from falling into the trap that I think Microsoft fell into over a decade ago with Windows 7, right? I mean, that's 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 mm-hmm. the thing that I think they want to avoid, where post, what was it, Windows NT? What was the, uh, Windows 2000, right? Windows 2000 came out, 
and was a huge hit. It was probably peak Windows in terms of popularity and uh, industry dominance. And they came up with the what's next after Windows 2000, and they had sort of a boil the ocean plan with all these, you know, they wanted to do so much in the next version, and all of a sudden, you know, five, six years go by... (laughs) You know, and they hadn't come out with the successor, right? That's what you want to avoid. You don't want to try to bite too much off. And these an- this annual schedule kind of keeps everything down to we're going to keep making incremental progress every year. And I think they like it. And I think announcing it at WWDC is very strategic. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like... Unlike other companies like these, all these Android uh, manufacturers, Apple controls both the software and the hardware. And because of that, they can tie the new version of iOS to a new iPhone. Right. And, and only, you know, Apple is one of the very few companies that can do this. And, and the reason why there's an annual version of iOS, it's because usually the new iPhone also has some hardware feature that is enabled via software. And so what this virus does, though, it's it's such a new situation because um, supply chains are going to be constrained and we're starting to hear all these rumors about all kinds of uh, devices being delayed from smaller companies like, um, you know, Bridge, they make the Bridge keyboard. They're having issues uh, with their... Mm -hmm. They did a trackpad uh, enabled keyboard, which <laughs> it's kind of funny because <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a few. In a few. Um, but that's being delayed. And we're hearing that like uh, Sony and Microsoft, they are preparing the uh, the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox. And now they're also facing issues with the coronavirus. Uh, so what's going to happen to the iPhone? Um, it's, it's such an... It's something that in my lifetime I've, I've never seen anything like this uh in terms of like a stop to the global economy and like what does it mean in the in the in the world of apple in terms of will there be a new iphone in september and if so there must be a new version of ios my and i you know obviously it's one of those things where maybe you know here's a situation where having tim cook as the ceo of the company is ideal Right. Like Mm. who better? Because ultimately it's an operations problem, right? This is literally operations 101 to have a supply chain disruption uh, this significant. And so, you know, it's not like somebody has to come in and explain how the supply chain works (laughs) to Tim Cook, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, you know, it, 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 you know, you literally could not ask for a better CEO for a crisis like this, if it is indeed a crisis. But what, and I am not an expert on the supply chain and, and the details of the supply chain are like much at Apple, a, uh, you know, it's, it's like the recipe to Coca-Cola. It is a very tightly held secret. They don't talk about how they're up, you know, they don't talk about how the supply chain works in detail. It's, you know, it, it's effectively a black box in a lot of ways. Um, but one thing, reading up on this in, in, hey, how big a deal is this coronavirus in terms of the supply chain? And, and is it the sort of thing that could, you know, disrupt Apple's obvious plans to have brand new iPhones in September? Um, and this makes, I think this makes common sense is that 
let's say it's a two or three week shutdown, you know, and they shut down certain factories and suppliers for two to three weeks, tell everybody to stay home, don't leave your house. And then two or three weeks go by and they open back up in China and they're there. That doesn't mean that everything that would have happened is just pushed back two or three weeks, right? It's it's like a ripple effect, right? Like a two or right. three week disruption could have a months long disruption in supply because it, it it it's just that complicated and there's so many cogs that having, you know, one or two cogs stop for a bit shuts the whole machine down for a while and then has to start back up. Um, and the other thing too, you have to keep in mind is like, Oh, well, 95% of suppliers are back up and running at full steam. But what about the 5% that aren't right? Like what if they're not, what if the components that those suppliers provide aren't obtainable from alternative suppliers or aren't obtainable in sufficient quantity from other suppliers, right? Like it could be one tiny little screw, but if it only comes from one factory, you cannot make the iPhone or you have to redesign around it, right? I mean, a screw is probably a bad example, but, you know, it, it, who knows, you know, which, how many components from the iPhone have su sufficient alternatives to defend against this? Yeah, yeah. And in the short term, not to mention there's, Rumors of a of a spring event, and now that's an even more problematic one yeah. because all these all these um, issues are happening now. Like uh, countries that are saying, like uh, you know, Italy and France, for example, are saying it's probably best if you don't travel right now. So, what yeah. does that mean for any kind of European media that may be invited to right. an Apple event? Right. So, I I don't know. Do you, I mean it's it's do you have any idea before we leave the subject but I mean what it, it it I think it's just a fluke but I mean you know Italy is certainly has a you know world class healthcare system and, and it just seems it just seems so anom anomalous that Italy of all countries has mm. this you know 600 person outbreak I, I, mm. I, my guess is it's just a fluke and that's just the way things like this go right like somebody shows up with it and it starts to spread and Boom, you know, 600 people have it. Yeah, so what they're saying is that um, it went unnoticed for 10 days. Right. And in those 10 days, it, sp it spread to a lot of people. Um, now, I actually think that the government actually did a very good job in terms of, okay, now we need to shut down at least two major areas in northern Italy. And they did that, and they closed offices and schools and public transportation. Uh, and it's, you know, like right now we're asking those people who live like near Milan and near uh, Venice, for example, we're asking them a lot, like right. stay, stay inside and don't leave the house for two weeks. Right. But I also think that it's a, it's, it's a, like, it's a mindset problem in the sense that we Italians, we tend to take these kinds of things way too lightly. Mm. We And, and to, like, right now, there's a whole debate going on uh, whether the government is actually doing too much because it's just the flu. Like, a lot of people are saying that, oh, it's just the flu, whatever. Um, and, I, and I think that's something that we Italians do all the time. Like, we, we don't necessarily give as much importance to things that the government says, actually, look, this is important, you should care about it. And so I'm seeing a lot of people... 
simply say, well, whatever, it's just a cold, it's just a flu, I don't care, uh, it's not a problem. And so I think a lot of people do not go get tested because of that. Mm. And for that reason, it's spreading even more quickly. Mm. So... Um, the healthier the healthier system here is actually very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. But <laughs> well, one of but, the things I read was that you have to you have to understand that one of the things we might see is we might see higher rates of infection reported in countries with better healthcare systems, right? Because they have the better healthcare system, and people will go to the doctor and get identified. And that the the danger is that in the countries where where the healthcare system isn't as good, and people you know don't have access to quality health insurance, it might be spreading faster than the numbers that are reported because the people who have it aren't going to the doctor where it can be reported. Yeah. You know, yeah, because here, like, it's totally free. I believe right. it's like one euro if you want to get a, the coronavirus test. Um, and in general, like, be, being treated here is entirely for free for any kind of problem that you may have. And I cannot possibly imagine what that's like in the United States. I mean, every time I travel for WWDC, I have to get special in- insurance yeah. to travel to America because if something happens to me, I need to pay for travel insurance that ensures that I will be covered yeah. if anything happens. Right. And that's such a foreign concept to me because <laughs> here, more or less, they won't, they will not let you die and they will not <laughs> ask you for money. Right. At no. the and I know that it's true even for, you know, people who are vacationing there and something, you know, I have friends, you know, from America and they're like blown away. Like they took a fall and sprained their ankle and went to the hospital and, <laughs> you know, in London or like probably yeah. like Rome and, you know, and it's like, oh, they go and then they, they take like a couple of bucks and they, you know, <laughs> yeah, patch you up it. and you're like, you're like, where are you going to send the bill? And they're like, there is no bill. And you're like, what? <laughs> No, yeah. it is. No, I do worry though. And, and all the politics of U.S. healthcare aside, which we certainly can't get into, you know, th- this sort of, uh, epidemic type, type thing really puts a, a bullseye on what's wrong with a system that allows literally millions of people to not have insurance at all and therefore to weigh every single calculation as of whether they should go to the doctor or not with, hmm, what's it going to cost me? Um, you know, this is the sort of thing where anybody who suspects that they have it really, really ought to go to the doctor, not just for their own benefit, but for the benefit of of everybody, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So anyway, I don't know. Uh, I, I am, like I said, I would put the odds at around thirty or forty percent at this point that WWDC is not going to happen. Um, be- mm-hmm. because I think, and you know, the Facebook news coming out today for a May developer conference shows how far in advance a company wants to make a decision like that, you know, and, and in some ways, you know what I mean? And it's like, what if they, what if Facebook canceled this thing and may comes around and the whole thing is, is blown over. It's gone. It's, you know, uh, I don't think that means that anybody should be upset. I, th- I think it calls for caution. So let's say two or three weeks from now, or, you know, by sometime by the end of March, Apple says, you know what, we're, you know, because of this, we're not going to have WWDC this year. And then, June 8th rolls around and there's nothing. I'm sure some people are going to complain, but you know, you can't expect somebody in March to have a hundred percent certainty as to where it's yep. going to be in June. You, you know, you have to, you have to do what seems responsible, which doesn't okay. mean uh, somehow magically foreseeing the future. Uh, 
you know, it's you know, and in a shorter term, I mean, it, months in advance is very hard to 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 uh, to anticipate. But like it, here in the U.S., it's always the case. Like we on the east coast of the U.S., especially in the south, like where I live, it's seldom an issue. But there was one a couple years ago. But we have hurricanes, and then these hurricanes come, and days in advance, they make a determination as to whether people on the coast should should evacuate or not. And then at some point they often make it a mandatory evacuation where, I mean, they don't arrest you if you don't leave, but you know, it, it's, they're officially saying everybody must leave. And that, you know, that if the police see you that, and you're not leaving they they, you know, try to encourage you to get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. But then every once in a while, the storm comes in, it's not so bad. And then people are like, well, why the hell did you have us evacuate? And it's like, you can't, <laughs> You can't only tell people to evacuate when you're a hundred percent certain they need to evacuate because you're only a hundred percent certain when you know the hundred and twenty mile hour winds are blowing the roof off your house, you know yeah <laughs> yeah, and like these events you they are planned several months in advance, right It's not like you can say, oh, let's wait until the mid of may right uh, and then we can announce wwc it doesn't work like that, and I think a lot of people actually think. That it does, but it's not like that. You need several months of planning for, uh, you know. All I mean, you, you, we mentioned um, engineers preparing their sessions. That's one right. example. It takes months of work. Well, so, I th like I said, I think either way that will still happen on the same schedule. And I think that whether they have full WWDC, whether they cancel it and do it online only and hold a press event, or whether even a press event isn't deemed safe and they maybe they would do a keynote that's online i don't know i mean that would be weird to not have anybody in the audience but mm. although i guess they'd still still have their own apple employees and so you'd still hear all the applause so and maybe the retail employees right mm -hmm. they could they could fill it up with some people um but i still feel like they will do the annual this is the state of our os's and our roadmap for 2021 you know fall of 2020 mm -hmm. into 2021, uh, here you go. I feel like that'll happen either way. It's just a question of whether you want to have five, invite 5,000 developers from around the world into beautiful, <laughs> hospitable mm -hmm. San Jose. <laughs> beautiful, especially beautiful San Jose. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember. I drink coffee every day, and now I'm trying to remember where the hell do I get it? I don't even remember. I, I, honest to God, I can't even. I was there for four days last week, and I don't remember where I got coffee. I think it's like my mind <laughs> was so scarred by the experience that, like, it was like traumatic, and I've I've forgotten the memory. <laughs> yeah, I I'm pretty sure that one time last year, Marco Armand uh, walked us to uh, some kind of breakfast place that mm. took like. 20 minutes to get to, and they didn't have coffee. So well, it's so, <laughs> that's so, San Jose for you. <laughs> social policy, which I do miss, but social policy didn't take 20 minutes to get to, but it did take 20 or 30 <laughs> minutes to get like a sandwich. <laughs> my wife goes, and you know, my wife got a, a hamburger and, and it took 45 <laughs> minutes to get a hamburger. It's crazy. That place, I mean, it's like shocker that that place closed. <laughs> Well, it's too bad because they actually had decent espresso and croissants sometimes. Yeah, uh, it was is, good food. Yeah. It just, it just clearly wasn't meant for. They were so unprepared for more but people there, than usual. 
Right, but I don't even know if it is more people than usual. I think the San Jose Convention Center often holds conventions that are far larger than WWDC. It's it bog- that's the thing about San Jose that just boggles the mind is that it it feels in terms of the restaurant hours, the coffee shop service, the 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 early closing of the bars, everything makes it feel as though it is this sleepy little town where nothing big ever happens and Apple just picked it and puts up a 5,000 person tent like the circus once a year and it comes out of nowhere and nobody in town was aware of it. And even though now they've had it there, what, three years, Uh it's like nobody remembers that in June, you know, there's a busy week, but it's worse than that because they have conventions throughout the year. It is, it is a very large convention center. I don't, I suppose in terms when you add up all of Moscone, North, South and West or whatever the hell the, the three, three parts of it are, I guess Mm -hmm. Moscone is bigger overall. I mean, it's so you can't eyeball it because so much of Moscone is underground. But Apple never, you know, for WWDC, never took the the, the two main buildings. They only used the, uh, you know, the one that actually is glass and upstairs. It, I think it's bigger than than the old, where, where Apple used to hold WWDC. And there's, so mm-hmm. there's got to be big conventions throughout the year. It's like, it just, it's a convention area. It's a convention area of town that is not ready for any conventions of any sort whatsoever. <laughs> it boggles the mind. <laughs> Maybe they just don't like other people coming in. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> everybody, and everybody, it feels like it's everybody's first day on the job. And to be fair, it's, 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 it saddens me because every San Jose local that I've met, they're like super lovely and kind people. It's just the store owners that yep. don't know how to deal with that. So I don't know. <laughs> I was there with somebody once that they were trying to close a bar and my friend Luke asked asked the manager, Do you like to make money? And the guy <laughs> Yes, exactly. That's the problem. Oh my god. Uh anyway. All right, let me take a break here and thank our first sponsor. It is two time sponsor. They just sponsored, I think, two episodes ago. Feels F E A L S. Do you experience stress? Do you have anxiety? Maybe chronic pain? Trouble sleeping? Even just once a week, you're not alone. Many people do. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. Here's how you do it. You just take a few drops of feels, put it under your tongue, and you can feel the difference within minutes. Are you new to CBD? Feels offers a free CBD hotline and text message support if, like me, you hate talking to people on the phone, use that, and help guide your personal experience. Know what to get, know what to expect. And it works naturally to help you feel better. There is no high for sure. There's no hangover, no addiction, no, no, nothing like that. And it's a membership thing. You join the Feels community and you get Feels delivered to your door every month. And you save money on every order with a subscription, with this membership system. And you can pause if you're going away or cancel if you're done with it at any time, no questions asked. Uh, So remember, F-E-A-L-S, that's the brand name, Feels. uh, And you can become a member today by going to feels.com slash talk show. And if you use that URL, feels.com slash talk show, you will get 50% off 
your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash talk show to become a member and you'll get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. My thanks to them. Uh, all right. So while we're talking about Apple events, there are rumors of a spring event, which I would guess would take place at the end of March. And the reason mm. that I guess that I keep track of this, let me open up my note here is like I said, Apple is a company of habits and patterns and they might decide to stop following something, but that would be like a major decision. And uh, they do not hold a March event every year, but they did hold a March event in 2016. That was at Town Hall in Cupertino. Uh, they did a new iPad and a smaller iPhone. That was the uh, the iPhone SE's debut and the 9.7-inch iPad Pro, which I think was the first small iPad Pro. They did not have one in 2017 in March, but then in 2018, they had a special event uh, March 27th at Lane Tech High School in Chicago. Were you there for that one? Mm. Were you, did you go to Chicago? I was not. I was, right. not. I was not. Well, there. that was uh, another – that was a new 9.7-inch iPad Pro or – no, just an iPad. That's right. It was the first iPad just with pencil iPad. support. Right, and, and they introduced the Logitech Crayon. And, of course, the reason it was a regular iPad, not iPad Pro, and it was held at a school – was that their pitch was that this is for the education market where the price of the device is very sensitive. Anyway, right. tw 2017, no March event. 2018, they had an event. Uh, or I did 2018. So 16, 18. Now we're in 2020. It's an even year. Uh, so if the pattern holds, in even-numbered years, they hold March events that are often feature new iPad hardware. Mm. Will they do it again? I don't know, but there've mm. been rampant. And I'll give you. I'll give you another timeline, mm. John. Uh, I have a list. I remember I had this list somewhere. Um, WWDC announcement dates. Just ah, before yes. we forget, uh, for context, because we were talking about this uh, last year, March fourteen, twenty eighteen, March thirteen. 2017, February 16, and I believe this was early because of the San Jose switch. Huh. So if they do announce WWDC, it must be within the next couple of weeks at this yeah. point. I think they've had some that went as long as April, though. I'm pretty sure. Uh, they used to be up until 2016, April yeah. 18, 2015, yeah. April 14. Yeah. So maybe yeah. if, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we get into April and they haven't said anything, I would interpret that as meaning they're still like holding their breath on this coronavirus thing and mm -hmm. waiting mm -hmm. until the last minute to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the March event, uh, what I do know is that it tends to be, at least the past couple of years, in the spring break uh, week. Hmm. Is it, it's called spring break in the well, US. I think it's called spring break. Yeah, but we are the spring break. Schools have spring break in widely varying ah, weeks okay. of the year. You know, some schools try to time it with Easter. Other schools have it, you know, the same, you know, like the last week of March every year or something like that. It's not, there's no one universal spring break week. It, it's spread okay. out in late March through April. Mm. 
But will they do an event now? <laughs> That's the other I don't question. Know. I really don't. I really don't know. Mm. And, you know, one of the changes they've made in recent years is that for many years, they would hold satellite events in somewhere in Europe and somewhere in Asia. And this dates back to even before they had reliable, consistent live streams for everybody to watch, right? I mean, it's it's easy to forget because nowadays they're 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 they seem rock solid every single event. Um, but for years they would, you know, we we if you weren't attending the event, you know, I'm sure you remember this well. It would be like, is there going to be a live stream? I don't know, and Apple mm-hmm. wouldn't say. Yeah. And then sometimes, like an hour before the event, they would be like, here's a URL for the live stream. <laughs> is it is it going to stay up? Hold your breath. And it was weird because sometimes it would, sometimes it wouldn't. It was, you know, it wasn't something you would want to bet on. Whether they were even going to try, and if they did try, whether it was going to stay up was a crapshoot. Um, nowadays, that's not an issue. Um, but back in that era, they would hold satellite events for the media in Asia and Europe so that, you know, uh, like European journalists could just go to London and there yep. would be like a, you know, wasn't something that maybe was public, but it was, you know, some kind of technology where they could stream it just to one facility in London and people wouldn't have to travel the extra, you know, eight time zones to get all the way to California or something like that. Yeah. But at some point, a handful of years ago, they stopped that. And if you're going to be press credentialed for an event, you need to be at the event. And, you know, otherwise you're just watch, you know, which isn't bad. I mean, I had, uh, I missed an event. Uh, uh, I missed the iPhone event this year because I couldn't, mm. couldn't fly because of eye surgery that I had in the end of August. So I didn't go to the iPhone event in September and just watched it live, you know, on my Apple TV. Uh, but there's no more satellite events like that. So Asian media all fly to California. I mean, I guess yeah. they could not. I, I don't know. I just can't imagine that they wouldn't not invite them just because they're from Asia or something. And it's not really – that's obviously ground zero for this. But, you know, as we just talked about 15 minutes ago, it's, you know, it's it's in Italy. It's in mm-hmm. California. It's, you know, it's all around the world. But maybe there doesn't have to be an event, right? Because right. if you look at last year, right, uh, it was a similar situation, like a bunch of different products. We had the new AirPods and we had – was there a new iPad last year? Maybe it was yeah. the iPad Air 2, I believe. So a bunch of different products, and instead of doing an event and throwing a few different products together, right. they just did the week of press releases, right? right. The, right. the Tim Cook tweets, <laughs> the right. Tim Cook photo. Um, and I think maybe there's an opportunity to do a repeat of that. Because if you look at the products that we're talking about now, we're looking at an iPad Pro that, if you were to follow the rumors, has a new camera system, but the new design, basically the same design of the existing iPad Pro, and maybe a new smart keyboard. And then we're looking at the iPhone 9 or SE 2, and potentially the new MacBook Pros with the new keyboards, so, uh, and maybe the new um, over-here headphones that were rumored a while back. So not necessarily products that tell a cohesive story. Like, yes, they are updates, new products even, uh, if you look at the over-ear headphones, for example, and the iPhone 9, 
but maybe it's not necessary to throw an event just right. to group those products together. Right. They don't, you know, I, I, I've had this discussion. I think it was with regard to the fact that last year or the end of 2019, you know, just five, four or five months ago, they didn't hold the second event. The only event they really held was the September iPhone event. And then in October, they had um, uh, small press briefings f- for other stuff, like seeing mm-hmm. the Mac Pro again before it came out and uh, getting hands-on time with the new 16-inch MacBook Pro with the miraculous new keyboard that actually works and clicks. Um, you know, they had, you know, I went to New York for that. I think New York was actually the main, for whatever reason, was was more media than California. But, uh, you know, I could see them doing something like that, where they still want to, for, for invited media and people who are going to review the hardware, they still want to meet them and brief them and give them their take on it. But it doesn't have to be a 500-person event in a theater. Um, and the, the, the thing that I don't think a lot of people get, I think, I think people who don't pay close attention are under the assumption that Apple holds these events willy-nilly. You know, and every time mm-hmm. they do, you know, because why wouldn't you? If you can get all this attention every time you hold a big media event, why wouldn't you do it all the time? But I think it's the opposite. I think Apple realizes to the very highest levels what a tremendous privilege and and marketing hammer it is that when they do hold an event, it garners so much attention and gets so much news, you know, and, and is literally on the front page of newspapers, you know, and I, I know <laughs> newspapers, printed newspapers aren't the big deal they used to be, but it's still a good rule of, you know, just a good gauge of how big uh, of news something is. You know, it's it's a pretty big deal in the grand scheme of things that when this company announces a new cell phone, it's front page news you know, around the world. Um, I think they realize that part, you know, there's, there's the little boy who cried wolf problem, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that yep. fairy tale, right? It's like, you know, if you hold events that aren't worth people's attention, eventually, even when you have an event that is worth their attention, people aren't going to pay attention to it or yep. they're not going to pay as much as they did. And I think Apple at the very highest levels is very cognizant of not doing that, you know, and, and the, yeah. The 16-inch MacBook Pro is a perfect example of that. It is a tremendous product. I mean, I'm still using one right now, and I, I love it, and I really do think it is it is truly a return. As much as it looks like, and I'm not going to go off on a whole MacBook Pro tangent here. we got to talk iPad. But as much as it looks side-by-side side like the 15-inch MacBook Pro replaced in so many ways – it really does fix so many of the things that we all complained about with the 15-inch MacBook Pros for the last two or three years. But was it worth an event? And like you said, yeah. is there a story to tell? Well, if the story yeah. is we fixed <laughs> this, that, and the other problems, <laughs> they don't really want to get up on stage and say that. No. You know, They'd rather yeah. say that privately in, the <laughs> in a small room and just say, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we have a new keyboard design. <laughs> yeah. 
And th- and if you look at the at the previous events, there always tends to be a narrative around them. Like last yeah. year, it was the services event, like the the strange one with a bunch of services together, but it told a story. Right. And the year before that, it was the education event. And in October 2018, it was the Pro event. So in right. Brooklyn, we got the iPad Pro and the Mac Mini, I believe. Yeah. So there, there was there tends to be uh, an like an overarching narrative to an event. And we've seen how when they have a bunch of different products to release and to announce maybe the best strategy is not to throw an event but to try different ways whether it's like private uh, press briefings or youtubers or um, doing just the you know the Tim Cook tweet and the, and the announcement on the website uh, people last year were sure oh the the airpods pro are gonna have uh, an event for sure or the 16 inch MacBook pro will have an event for sure but no it the airports pro actually only had a press release yeah. I believe not yeah. even not even uh, uh, press reviews embargoed reviews uh, let me think about that. I got to try them. I did get to try them at the hands-on thing in New York. That was the same thing. Oh, maybe there were then. Yeah, I think I did get a review unit then. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget. I don't think they were embargoed, though. I think it was like you could just take them and you start. Uh, right. Yeah, they definitely did that. And they definitely had a little, um, uh, like, it was like a dozen of us at a time got to go up to these tables and uh, <laughs> they were factory sealed. They, we each, you, you, there were like little spots and you'd go up and there was a shrink wrap box of AirPods pro that you could open up and uh-huh. uh, you know, just pair to your, and it was, you know, it was kind of an interesting demo because unlike most Apple demos where the whole thing is scripted, you know, they have this device that's already got everything they want to show you, including the game that shows off, you know, metal and this and that. They just were like, here, take, you know, here's brand new AirPods Pro, open them up, pair them with your iPhone to see how easy mm. it is just to get off the ground and then listen to something on your phone, you know? Mm. And it was funny. They did this thing. It was in New York. And it's it it wasn't a soundproof room, but it's you know they don't want they don't like people talking about it. But it was quiet enough. But they wanted to show off the noise canceling, and so they said, "So this is ridiculous." But we got here and realized there really isn't any street noise here. So they used a HomePod to play street traffic noise. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. I swear to God. <laughs> so they were like, "This seems silly, but you know it should sound. You know we, we want to make it sound more like you're outside on the sidewalks." And they just best pumped. street traffic noise you've ever heard. Yeah, they just they just played street. <laughs> you know the best street traffic noise you've ever heard in an AirPod. And then you know they were like, "Now just you know squeeze the stem to to turn off noise, turn noise canceling on, etc." Um, yeah, I could see them doing that. You know, the, I think the wild card in the rumored events for this, you know, if there's a March or early April event, the wild card is iPad. Like mm. the iPhone 9 or whatever they're going to call it. But I kind of like the name iPhone 9. I, I, yeah. I, and, and I know people are like, well, why would you want to make it seem old? And it's like, dude, you don't have no idea how many millions, tens of millions of people out there who already have like an iPhone 6 and they just want something exactly like it, but brand new. You know, you mm-hmm. just it, it, you just cannot underestimate that. Like my mom is waiting for one. My mom has like a years old iPhone. Uh, the battery it's like like eighty two percent, so it's like still above that eighty percent threshold. But it's like you know, 
getting close and all she she like is not terrified but she's the idea of switching from touch id to face id gives her anxiety it's because she does it's unfamiliar she's like well how do you get out of an app and i was like yeah you'd learn you just swipe up it's easy now you know what she wants she wants a home button i would say this thing is going to be a huge seller call it the iphone 9 and yeah Anybody who knows that they're already up to 11 and we're like seven months away from, you know, and put an asterisk and a footnote here, go back Mm -hmm. 20 minutes to our whole coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not September, but, you know, iPhone 12 is probably coming in September or an iPhone 11S or something. There are literally maybe hundreds of millions of people around the world who would love an iPhone 9 called the iPhone 9. So, but here's the thing. Is it a good demo? No, it would be the worst demo in the world, right? Because yeah, <laughs> you can't see that it's faster, right? Because like this, you know, what are you going to do? You know, run run a, a, a benchmark on an iPhone compared to an iPhone 7 or something like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's an iPhone 8 with new internals. What do you, what do you demo? No, there is no demo. The not right? the best product to show off on stage. No. Right. And mm-hmm. it would be running iOS 13.0. Three or maybe iOS, probably iOS 13.4, right? Because iOS 13.4 is far enough in beta that it would probably be the, the OS for the out of the box for the new, this new phone. Uh, it's running the iOS version that everybody around the world already is running, <laughs> right? It's not a demo. The iPad is the thing that maybe would have a demo, mm. right? Mm. And, um, our everybody's mutual friend, the internet's friend, Stephen Troughton Smith, spelunker of betas, uh, has you know uh, poking around the iPad OS thirteen point four betas has uncovered a whole slew of keyboard related stuff right. in iOS thirteen point four. It's all it's. I don't even know. You're probably more familiar with me in terms of what's already been uncovered, but it would sort of coincide with a sort of, hey, yeah. you know, this is a demo. Like, hey, you know, people are using their iPads with a keyboard for all sorts of stuff. And, you know, it fits in with their years-long narrative that for a lot of people, this is the portable that you can use in a laptop-type setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. What, what, what all have we already know is new in 13.4 for keyboards? So the things that that we've seen tie in uh, in in a bunch of different ways with some potential um, good demo candidates in the sense that there's one feature which is called full keyboard access. This one was actually available for at least a couple beta builds uh, last summer in 13.0. And then it got pulled and never came back. And now it's back in 13.4. And so full keyboard access lets you essentially uh, define, um, I believe, like custom shortcuts um, that you can execute from the keyboard to perform uh, specific functions. It's... Essentially, it's it's another version of something that is already available in accessibility, um, and that is if you connect a mouse in in iPadOS 13, and you have a programmable mouse that has multiple buttons. Um, I mean, usually two buttons, but you know, I have a Logitech mouse that has five of them, and you can configure each button in accessibility um, right now to do things like um, show me notification center or um, reveal the dock or go back to the home screen, all that right. kind of stuff. 
Now, with full keyboard access, you can do that. You can assign those system functions to keyboard commands. And one of the interesting features is that you can run a shortcut from the shortcuts app uh, with a system-wide hotkey, basically. Uh, and it's not as good as on the Mac uh, because you cannot pass any input. So like, it's not like on, in, on the Mac with Automator. Right. If you have an Automator workflow and you can say, run this when I press Command-Shift-X, uh, but you can pass the selected finder item as input. You cannot do that with full keyboard access in 13.4, but it's a step forward right. nonetheless. Right. And also the other big change is the is support for key up and down events. Yes. Right. So that that's a one of the big features missing from developers who wanted to have like serious keyboard integration with mm-hmm. their apps. And so there's the productivity angle that I could see being demoed of like now you can fully control your iPad Pro in two different ways, with touch, of course, and with the keyboard. And if you want to use the keyboard, you never have to leave the keyboard. You never have to reach the screen because you yeah. can do it all, in theory. Yeah. But there's also the gaming angle, yeah. right? Because now games can have proper keyboard integration because of right. key up and down events. Right. And so I could see a story sort of like now on Apple Arcade, you can here's a bunch of PC quality games that you can now play with the keyboard or with touch. Yeah. And if it it sounds so rudimentary right but just to further explain for anybody who doesn't know what key up and down events are literally it's it let's say you're the developer of an application and in the old days there were always apis on you know mac windows whatever you were on where you could say is the a key down or notify me when the a key is pressed right and is the was it a was the key pressed or is it being pressed and held, right? And you would think that there should be a way for computer programs <laughs> to tell, but iOS and iPad OS have not had those sort of events until 13.4, which is still in beta. Um, and so, for example, and again, very demoable. And speaking of, mm-hmm. you know, friends in San Jose, um, there's a small company in San Jose called Adobe. <laughs> That, make, <laughs> that makes a now 30-year-old app called Photoshop. Uh, and anybody who's ever used Photoshop extensively on the desktop knows that they use the keyboard in all sorts of ways. And a casual Photoshop user is going to use every, do everything with the mouse. And you click on a tool, and then you go over to the, you know, your, your, your image, and you start painting. But a Photoshop export expert is using the keyboard all the time and they have single key you know switches where you can just type uh i forget what all of them are honestly i haven't used them in a while but i don't know you can just type like b for the brush or something like that um people who use photoshop all the time know them by heart and then you can do things like hold down the space bar and the cursor turns into a hand that you can use to page around without using scroll bars or something like that and you can hold down the option key to do different you know get different behavior yep. or the shift key to constrain a selection to a fixed uh, uh, aspect ratio as opposed to a freeform rectangle, all sorts of ways that, that Photoshop uses the keyboard and um, has been problematic <laughs> to say the least <laughs> on iPad up until now would make for a very good demo. Uh, and yeah. yeah, again, the gaming thing is obvious, you know, in terms of being able to get fast key events to be able to drive a game from the keyboard. 
Yeah, and when you think about it, not so many companies can have can, can say we have a tablet that has as an in, a really amazing GPU that gives you this kind of graphical performance and lets you. And of course, if this is all true, lets you play games with two different uh, input methods. Uh, like you can play with touch or you can play with the keyboard. Right. I, I, you know, not even. I mean, the Nintendo Switch has some kind of touch control, but it's basically never used in games. And the GPU is not nearly as good as the as the current iPad Pro. I cannot yeah. I cannot imagine the next iPad Pro. So, it's it's definitely an interesting proposition. And and from a productivity standpoint. As you mentioned, Photoshop and and all the existing productivity apps. Uh, there's you know there's there's a, f- a few developers who over the past couple of years have tried to enable um, full keyboard navigation in their apps, in their iPad apps. Uh, you look at something like Agenda, for example, or right. Things, or just today uh, the uh, the RSS client um, Unread as a new version, uh, Unread 2. And one of the features is you can fully navigate Unread with the keyboard if you have an iPad. Mm. Um, so developers have been doing like their own custom implementations, but again, they're custom and they need they require a lot of work and they do not support key up and down events. So in theory, having a proper uh, framework from Apple with support for key up and down events, it makes a world of difference if you're an iPad developer. So... That's very demoable for sure. Yeah. Uh and I think that there's it, it's just the it's it's just the roots showing through. The roots of the and it's funny because and I say this and it's like people forget it and it's come up a couple times in recent weeks but it is funny that the original iPad from 2010 was demoed with a first first party keyboard dock. <laughs> I had that. I had that dock. I uh, used it twice and then I forgot about it. I, you know what? I knew I didn't want it. And so I didn't buy mm. it. And I don't know how I knew it. And I was like, and, and it was funny because I'll never forget that demo. Uh, it was, you know, I went to the event and uh, the hands on area was open. And I'm always one of the often one of the last to leave because I don't I'm not under pressure to immediately get something up on Daring Fireball. I can take my time. Whereas an awful lot of the media who are in attendance either are required to ha- you know file a story very quickly or just feel that pressure to you know file very quickly. And nowadays, you know, 2010 it wasn't as big a deal, but nowadays, you know, a lot of them have to shoot video and it's there's all this going on. And I'll just sit there and play with the devices. <laughs> and I just remember it was like, and they're so very nice, but they came up. It was me and Dan Morin, who was then at Macworld, were playing with the iPad on the dock. And we were like trying to figure out all the keyboard shortcuts, what worked and what mm-hmm. didn't work. And we're going through like mail and we're like, all right, let's go to, and this was before, you know, you could hold down the command key and just see right. the shortcuts. But we're like, oh, what about shift command D? Can you do shift command D to send an email? And we're like, yes. You know, uh, mm. and, and we're just going through and this very nice woman came over and she was like, Hey, you know, Hey guys, uh, you know, we're wrapping up and like, we look <laughs> around and we look around and there's literally nobody left except Apple employees. <laughs> and we're like, Oh, I guess we should go. And we're like, we're sorry. And we like left, but like, we literally got like dragged out while we were like using the keyboard, uh, dock to like try to figure out all the keyboard shortcuts that they managed to hook up. Uh, 
but I didn't use it. But anyway, the keyboard was clearly an afterthought, right? At least originally, mm-hmm. even though they sold a keyboard. That's my point. They sold one originally, and it was to sort of sell the line that, hey, they've got like a full-blown full, full blown version of numbers and pages, and you can actually sit there and write and, and stuff. But actual proper first-class support of a hardware keyboard Honestly, it's still not there. And I sounds like, you know, we don't may not have to wait for iOS or iPad OS 14. It seems like 13.4 might be the the high, you know, the mark where we say this is where iPad OS crossed the line and now uh it, you know, ha- has it's it's over the 50-yard line, it's over the halfway mark of having good keyboard support. That's a sports metaphor, right? Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's why I switched. Yards, that's, uh, that's football. Well, right? that's, why, that's why I switched. Uh, what, do you, what do you call the center line on a soccer pitch? Um. Midfield? <laughs> Cross midfield. Yeah, yes, All right. yes. All right, so 50-yard yes. line is midfield. Uh, so you, okay. we've, okay. we've crossed midfield. You know, We've okay. gone over, and now we're on the scoring end. Uh, Got it. You know, like for me, one of the ones, one of the things that is just, it's just so frustrating. And I don't think 13.4 does this, but boy, it's like, man, when I, I'm, when I have a hardware keyboard connected to my iPad and I don't want to go off on the whole iPad stretch here because that'll be the closing segment of the show. We have a lot to talk about, but just in terms of like driving your iPad with the keyboard, when I'm on the home screen, it drives me insane that you can't just use the arrow keys to select oh. between apps and then hit the return yeah. key to open it or something to open it. You know, like in the Finder, no, you know, on the Mac, it, people might think that you hit return to open something, but no, return renames it, which is sort of a historical artifact. You have to use command open or command down arrow to open. Uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with whether those keyboard shortcuts were a historical mistake or not, but we're stuck with them. But there should be some way with a mm-hmm. with a keyboard connected to an iPad to arrow key around, and you know, and they enforce the grid, right? It's not like the desktop on the Mac where you can kind of have your icons on your iPad home screen strewn about, you know, in a mess. It enforces a nice grid. <laughs> Which is just begging for up, down, left, right, right? Yep. <laughs> just yeah, begging. Uh, yeah, and really, the the main problem when you think about it is is that the the iPad and that is not changing in thirteen point four. It lacks any kind of selection state from yes. the keyboard. Right. Uh, any kind, like on TVOS, you have the the the, the focus engine, right? Right. And, and you can right. select items, and then you can click. Uh, and there's none of that. On the iPad, uh, which is why some developers, some third-party developers, have done their own custom thing. Right. But at a system level, like even the basic stuff, like I want to select icons on the home screen. Well, it's not possible because the idea right. of selection is just not there. Just right. like the idea of hovering over yep. items in UI Kit is just not there. It doesn't exist. Which right. is why the uh, the current uh, implementation of the Pointing devices via accessibility. That's not a real pointing device. You're not hovering over anything. You're just simulating a finger on screen and then you click, which means you tap. Right. But I totally agree with you. Like it's so annoying that whenever you're on the home screen, the on, really the only way to launch an app without touch, touching the screen is to search for it and then press return. Right. Which, yeah, sort of works, but no, just let me select stuff. Well, the, so I really the other thing yeah. that drives me nuts about you do command space and then you search for an app 
and it is the first search result. You can hit the return key and it will open, but there's still no selection state to show you that. You just kind of have to trust that the return key will open, but then you can use the arrow keys to move up and down the selection, you know, it, it you know, much like spotlight on the Mac. So I want to say, and I may be wrong, that maybe you can do command down to jump between different sets of results. Yeah. Like maybe but you can do command down and you select Mm. There's, there still should be a selection. <laughs> there's, yeah, there, it should, and it should be better than it is right now for sure. And I really, boy, do I hope that in, in fourteen we get um, some kind of selection state API and um, just hover state. Yeah. Um, it's really necessary if you want to have serious keyboard integration. Uh, speaking of which, did you see this um, this rumor about the, the smart keyboard possibly getting a trackpad? Yes. Yes, mm. the the information, which, you know, is not like a regular source of Apple stuff. You know, the information is subscriber only, and it's sort of like most, it's largely sort of like startup focused and sort of VC, I often think sort of VC centric. But then when they do pipe up with Apple stuff, it's usually pretty accurate. You know, they're, yeah. you know, and they, everyone, you know, they'll go months without anything and then pop up with a blockbuster. And this one, this is a report from Wayne Ma, Apple planning iPad keyboard with trackpad. Apple is planning to release an iPad keyboard accessory later this year that will include a built in trackpad. Uh, hmm. That's, you know, I, I don't know that we even need to go any <laughs> further. I think, you know, their article goes on and on, but I feel like we all kind of, you know, I guess the one thing we don't know and they don't know in the article is to me it, it it would imply that it's going to be promoted out of accessibility and will become a first class mouse cursor when you right. have a pointing device attached, whether it's a trackpad on a keyboard or a mouse, or a, I guess, I mean, it, since you can connect mice, you can connect, I, I don't even know if this is true. Can you connect like a magic trackpad to an iPad? No, you, you cannot huh. right now. So yeah. you can't. So you can plug in like a USB mouse, but you can't do a trackpad. But, you know, in theory, yep. they could support it, you know. Um, in theory. I, and I would think that then, you you know, and... <sighs> You know, uh, here we go into the meat of the subject. Maybe I should take a break before <laughs> before, right. before we continue. It. I'm going to take a break and thank our next sponsor. It is oh, I love this sponsor. This is a great company. Hover H O V E R. Uh, look, Hover is a jumping off point for a ton of entrepreneurs because they want you to start your business, your idea, your new project. Maybe it's not even a business. Maybe it's like an open source project or something like that. But what do you need to start? You want a great domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from when building your brand online. That's the top level domain. Like back in the day, man, I'm so old. I remember when there were three, there was like uh, no, four, .com, .org, .net, and .edu. And if you didn't like one of those, you were stuck. Well, they've got over 300 of those to choose from at this point. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. You'll find excellent tech support from Hover available to answer any questions you may have. And their support team does not upsell you. They only work hard to help you get online. 
they offer stuff like free who is privacy protection. So when you register a domain name with Hover, keeping your personal information like your address and your phone number and your email address, et cetera, it's not an upsell that you have to pay extra for. It's included free because, of course, who doesn't want privacy protection on that information? They have a really clean, great user interface to their website. And it just just the simplest thing like the search interface for searching for whatever it is you want.com and you find out the .com version of whatever it is you want isn't available, but what other domains are available and what other things are similar with if you put like a hyphen in or something like that. They offer all their, their suggestion interface for what is available. It, it's just perfect. It's really good. It's exactly what you want. Um, they also have monthly sales and promotions on popular top-level domains. Uh, it's just – once you look at Hover and compare it to other domain name registrars, you can just see why Hover is so popular and why they've been uh, so popular for so long. I love the search interface. Also, their tech support. If you have an existing domain name registered at another registrar and you want to move it to Hover – they will help you as much as you need. So even if you're like a total non-expert and you don't know, you don't want to screw up like the MX records that uh, deliver email and stuff like that, and you just don't want to screw it up, Hover Tech Support will walk you through every step of the way if you need it. And it just to make you feel completely confident that moving your domain from your old registrar to Hover is going to go off without a hitch. It really is great. Um it's a great interface. Like I said, 300 domain name extensions to choose from. Grab your domain name and just find out more by going to hover.com slash talk show, H-O-V-E-R.com slash talk show, and use that link and you get a 10% discount on all new purchases. Make a name for yourself with Hover at hover.com slash talk show. Let me see if I can remember post-sponsor break where we were. We were talking about the uh, mouse cursor support. Yeah. It's got to be. If they're going to do a trackpad, which I think they should, and I would love, I really, really, really hope that this rumor is true. Not just for the idea of a smart keyboard cover with a trackpad that you could use, but the just the, the in the broader sense, the idea that they would add first-class mouse pointer support to iPad OS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Snell just posted on uh, on Six Colors uh, a post with um, uh, questions about a potential smart keyboard with a trackpad, and all those questions basically match the the, the things that I was thinking about. Um, what does it mean if they do a trackpad in terms of the kind of pointer pointer right. that we get? Because right now. I could see Apple saying, uh, look, it's got a trackpad, but it's just for text editing, right? Mm. Just like now, for example, you can hold down two fingers on the software keyboard and you get a trackpad when you're editing text. Right. Uh, I could see a scenario where, yes, there's a trackpad, but it only helps when it comes to text editing. And I think that would make sense, but also... I would be disappointed because I would love to see a full-blown trackpad support and, and actual uh, support in UIKit for controlling the entire interface with the trackpad. But also, what does it mean in terms of um, hardware keyboard design? Like, Does it mean that Apple is going to have um, a keyboard with a hinge, like fully adjustable viewing angle, for example? Right. So there's a lot of questions right now, but I, I guess the main point being... 
do we do we foresee a scenario where the iPad you can actually control the entire iPad OS UI with a pointing device with a trackpad built into the keyboard so that you never have to touch the screen? I really hope so, and I, I for a couple of reasons. One of them is that it, it, it touch screens have been around. I mean, I mean, really. I mean, we're like thirteen years into it at this point, right? It was uh, two thousand seven in January when Apple announced the original iPhone. So we're now 13 years after we, you know, not quite to the point. I mean, this was the point when everybody was still speculating that it was going to be a dud. It wasn't going to work, blah, blah, blah. Nobody had it yet. So, you know, you know, but we're easily over a 10 years into the period where people have touchscreens and Apple has answered questions about, well, why isn't, doesn't the Mac have touchscreen support for a long time? And it's, you know, until and if they ever do release touchscreen Macs, they're going to keep answering it. And their answer is, uh, uh, one of the answers has always been that the ergonomics are terrible, right? Mm. Especially for like an iPad or iMac, right? Where you're pointing at this screen, an arm's length in front of you, your arm gets tired, you know, and they've mentioned it many times. But even on a laptop, you know, it's, you know... a swipe here, a swipe there, tap here, and put your hands back down is no problem. But if the only way to, let's say you have a, a text editing document, a long article, you know, a school paper, and someone like me or you who writes for the web, and you've got edits to make, and editing is often largely, you know, selecting, you know, you, you don't necessarily want to do it all with arrow keys, you know, mm. it's tiresome to sit there and touch the screen over and over again and touching the screen obscures the thing you're looking at, right? Your hand is actually in front of your face. Um, it, it, it doesn't make sense if Apple's argument, one of Apple's arguments against touchscreen max is the ergonomics are bad, which I believe is true. I actually think that is actually true. The ergonomics are bad, but then it doesn't make sense that when they say here with our iPad Pro, you can get this smart keyboard and turn it into a laptop-like physical configuration. And then when you want to do anything, you have to touch the screen, which we've already told you with our other thing is ergonomically <laughs> bad, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. it, it fundamentally doesn't make sense. And when I've confronted Apple folks with that, they, you know, they just give non-answer answers, you know, but I, I, it clearly doesn't hold water, right? And basically, the ergonomic argument in favor of this is beyond arguments over the operating system and the UI for it, right? But if your hands, your fingers are on the home row keys of your keyboard, right, and the keyboard is flat on the desk, where are your thumbs? Your thumbs <laughs> are right where... <laughs> trackpads go right like mm-hmm. ergonomically uh, this is a solved problem you know and and i know that in the early years of pc laptops you know the tra- uh, the ibm ones had the little rubber nubbin in the middle and we had track balls before we had track pads but apple quickly figured out that the right place for the track ball i mean there were early laptops i don't know if you remember you're you're a youngster but there, Apple had one, you know, the original Mac Portable, which was like a suitcase <laughs> more than a laptop. But it had the trackpad, the trackball off to the side, you know, so that you would use oh, wow. it like where a mouse was. You'd move, you know, because 
but I guess they had to put something over there because the thing was so big. But but we've you know ergonomically we've gotten to the point where it seems pretty obvious that you put your fingers on the keyboard like you're typing, and your thumbs are just right there where a trackpad goes. Mm-hmm. And so wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if you're when you're using an iPad if you could just make use of those thumbs that are right there without lifting them up. You know, so I feel like there's an ergonomic argument on the software side. This is where I think it's more interesting and nuanced is because I think the better argument against touchscreen Macs is that by, by assuming that every single Mac has a mouse pointer attachment, you either have a mouse or a trackpad. I mean, it's almost impossible. I mean, you could run a Mac as a kiosk of some sort without a keyboard and mouse, but to actually use a Mac, it's borderline impossible without a, a as a typical user. You know, it's you know nobody would really want to use a Mac without a mouse pointer, a mouse or a trackpad, and those are very fine, precise pointing things. Uh, there's all sorts of UI elements that are able to be packed is small targets close together. And my most prominent example are the red, yellow, green buttons for closing a window, minimizing a window, and full screen zooming a window. They're they're very small targets. They're very close to each other. And if they were touch targets, they would have to be further apart. And that would take up more room in every single window. You know, there's also, just looking at, I'm looking at Safari right now. There's just all sorts of stuff at the top of my Safari window that's, Way too small, way too small of a target, way too close to other targets uh, to to be good for a touch interface. I, I so in you know I'm not going to bet money that Apple will never have a touchscreen Mac. I mean, maybe it's inevitable. I don't know because there's certainly a lot of people who think they want it. But my mm. my deep concern is that to do it right, they would have to fundamentally change the Mac interface in a way that would make it less information dense, which I think is one of the convenient things about it. Mm. Whereas I feel like you could add mouse support to iPad OS without sacrificing anything in terms right. of the experience for what if you're just touching it like a, you know, like, like you don't you, if you never have a trackpad or mouse connected to it, does it change the size or placement of any UI targets? No. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I feel like it, it, I'm not saying it's easy. Nobody, I don't want to ever tell <laughs> engineers that anything is easy, but I think conceptually, iPad OS is a much better fit for first class mouse pointer support than Mac OS is a fit for touchscreen support. I I agree with that. And 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 the reason why I also want him to do this is because right now there's a on the iPad there's a fun, fundamental case of feature disparity between the two different modes. So the what, if you think about it, what really sets the iPad apart from from the Mac is the fact that you can pull it out from the keyboard and just use it as a tablet. Whereas a MacBook, you cannot just pull out the screen and use it. It's always attached to the keyboard, or if it's a desktop Mac, it's always it needs to be a desktop computer. Um, so the iPad does support two different modes. And when it's in multi-touch mode, so you, you don't have any keyboard accessory, you don't have any uh, mouse... It's fully usable like that, right? It mm-hmm. fully supports multi-touch. It's got a software keyboard. It's fully usable. But if you add a smart keyboard, 
that's when the feature disparity comes in. And and it's so funny right right now that it Apple itself created this problem of when you use a smart keyboard you cannot fully use the iPad from the keyboard alone right. because you still need to touch the screen. And this is the keyboard that Apple makes, that Apple sells, and that Apple promotes as the the accessory for the iPad Pro. So I think they should do it because right now the iPad can be used with the keyboard. And I mean, I use it. I came up with all sorts of sorts of workarounds for like, um, I have an, a Logitech mouse that I have with some shortcuts, but it's not, it's not native and you can feel that it's an afterthought. And and whereas the iPad is fully usable as a tablet in touch mode, it is not fully native if you want to use it with a keyboard. And so I'm seeing like a bunch of people on Twitter saying if they're going to do it, if they're going to add a cursor, it's just going to be for text fields. Maybe, but I think it should be a real cursor. And I think it mm. should be a, like a real pointing device that lets you control the, the whole UI. I, I, you know, I could see it, but I, as being just for text, like you said, exactly like the virtual trackpad mm. you can get, and you can get it on the iPhone too by holding down on the space bar now that 3D touch is gone. Um, and what it's a two, two finger touch on the virtual keyboard on iPad OS, right? If you, yes, you just yep. go there and. Two fingers. Two touch. fingers. Yeah, you put two fingers down anywhere on the keyboard, which is really nice. Very, very nice. You don't have to aim for the uh, space bar. Uh, so there's a tip of the day. I'll, I, every time I mention something like that, I know that there's people who are like, "Holy crap! I didn't know you could do that." You know, virtual <laughs> virtual keyboard up on the iPad. Put two fingers anywhere on the keyboard, and you get while you're editing text, and you can move the insertion point around. Uh, I, I just don't think though that they would if they're if they're going to go so far as to actually put a trackpad on the smart keyboard. I just don't see exactly. why they wouldn't do it for everything. And I really do exactly. think, I really do think, and I, there might be some edge cases. On, I, there's always edge cases. There's always something that's tricky. But I think for the most part, it it won't take away from touch at all. I, I really do feel that that's that's true, and that it's just sort of. Uh, uh, a historical artifact of the fact that the iPad was derived from the iPhone's operating system that it doesn't didn't have it right from the start. Yeah. Yeah, and and I've been I've, I've been like part of this uh computing life, I guess, for, for the past several years at this point and really um Whenever I, I like I share a photo of like my iPad setup, I always get a bunch of people saying, "Why don't you just use a Mac?" And and while I do get the point, right, because it does look like when when you're using the iPad with the keyboard and maybe a mouse and maybe some other accessory, it does look like a laptop. But that like to me, that's the, like the whole point of the conversation of like, if I want, I can pull out the tablet and go work on the couch or stay in bed. And that, that is actually how I started using the iPad, like when I was sick and uh, undergoing um, cancer treatments years ago, and I couldn't use a, a MacBook. And I just right. had the iPad, and I was able to like stay in the, in the hospital bed and use the iPad uh, as a tablet. And that, to me, is really the greatest strength of, of the device. Like, it can... And I know that it's an overused term, but it can be a sort of like hybrid computer in the sense that it's a tablet and then you just slide it into a keyboard and it becomes sort of like a laptop. Um, so yeah, I really do think that the two modes can 
can coexist. And when it comes to the trackpad, I, I was just thinking about this as we were talking about it. We, we, we've seen all these concepts. Uh, you linked one of them on, on Daring Farball for uh, mm-hmm. like rethinking iPad multitasking. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about these concepts and, and then the, new, the rumor came out today of the trackpad. And so I, I realized if there's an opportunity for Apple to bring some consistency um, to a new multitasking uh, interface, what better way to add consistency than to say there's new gestures uh, that you can use for multi-touch if you want to use multitasking and split view, and the same gestures actually work with our multi-touch trackpad on the smart keyboard. Mm. So it's always the same gestures. It's always the same uh, interaction uh, system, and you can use it via touch, and you can use it with the keyboard. And I, and I think Rene Ritchie on YouTube also had a, some kind of concept of couple of months back, maybe, uh, arguing uh, if Apple were to do a new multitasking uh, system on iPad, maybe they should consider multi-touch gestures. gestures. So that could potentially be interesting if, if it's also a multi-touch trackpad on the smart keyboard, of course. Yeah, I think it would be too, because I think that they're all in on that in terms, and it's a way to bring some consistency you know, between the Mac and iOS. I mean, I, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be, right? Like, uh, I don't know. It's 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 it is one of the most exciting rumors, and it's so funny because we you know we could have recorded yesterday. <laughs> we would have done the whole show before <laughs> it broke. But to me, it's honestly one of the most exciting rumors in a long wet while. I'm terribly excited about it because it's not just about having the trackpad. It's everything that it says about what I think they would need to do with iPad OS to make it worthwhile having a first party trackpad, right? Um, and I, I just can't help but think that it would mean that you could put two fingers on it to scroll a scroll view, right? Like, but that also implies some sort of focus, you know, whether it's a mouse hovering over it, you know, like on the Mac, it's whatever, wherever the mouse cursor is hovering, you can scroll up and down with two fingers to scroll the thing, including in a background window, you know, but what determines it? You don't even have to click on it. You just put the mouse cursor over it and then use two fingers to go up and down to scroll the view. It it would it it would be baffling if they don't support that, right? Like, what's the point of having a trackpad if you can't if you can't scroll with it? If you still have to do it, I mean, would it mean that literally every single thing in the system could be done from the keyboard and trackpad? Maybe, mm-hmm. right? That almost mm. seems like like one part of me wants to say, well, maybe not everything. But then I want to say, why not, right? Like, why? Right. what is there that you wouldn't be able to do, you know, with the combination of moving the cursor as a virtual finger over elements and tapping to simulate a touch and the combination of multi-finger gestures for things like, uh, you know, bringing... I don't know. I mean, would you be able to bring down Control Center with a drag from the top of the trackpad? I, I don't know. Yeah, you could do expose now that you have multiple windows on yeah. iPad. You could do that. You could show the yeah. the app switcher, uh, and maybe again, if they were to add an, a new, a different multitasking system, you could have gestures for split view and slide over and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Uh, if we go to the so far as to add a, a physical trackpad uh, to the smart keyboard, which is 
super premium space, right? You, uh, you, you go to such lengths as to add an actual trackpad, limiting that trackpad to just scrolling text fields and, and text views. Uh, that seems like a wasted opportunity. It just it, it it just seems a little spiteful, you know. Like not <laughs> not that not spiteful that Apple doesn't like iPad users and wants them to be frustrated, but like spitefully sticking to the idea that it's fundamentally a touchscreen. You know what I mean? It it, mm-hmm. it it's it's putting an idea above the actual practicality of would this actually be useful without taking away from anything that's already good. It would be political yeah. more than practical. Yeah. Which, or yeah. dogmatic. I don't know what word you want mm. to use, right? Like you're just sticking to this dogma that no longer holds. Um, well, no, one thing that comes to me, and, and this is why I, it's fascinating me. I love reading your stuff on iPad, and, and I've complained a bit recently, and <laughs> I have a couple more complaints to get off my chest before I'm done, um, about the state of iPad OS. And there's just I I'm not you know it, it, there's just so many people who who got angry at me. <laughs> and, oh really? People get angry at you? <laughs> and and I don't get it. I really tried to write around it and anticipate it. And and you know the basic idea is if you come up with if like me you have a bunch of what I think are very valid complaints about the current state of iPad OS, and you describe them to the best of your ability. And then all of a sudden it's, well, you hate the iPad because you're an old person who likes the Mac and you want it. You just want the iPad to be a Mac. And it's like, no, I don't. What I would like ideally would, I love the Mac. And, and again, I'm a sort of person, if I had to choose between iPad and Mac for the rest of my life without hesitation, half a second, I would choose Mac. That That's just where I am. That's who I am. No surprise from what I've written. But holy crap, wouldn't it be amazing if the iPad got so good that I thought, wow, even I as a Mac person think this is better. That would be better, right? Like I love the Mac. The Mac is still my favorite operating system there is. But I, I'm i not like going to look anything I, – I, I would love to find something better, right? Like people think, well, if you love the Mac and you, that's your thing, then you're some kind of zealot. And no matter what anybody else does, you're going to find ways to – to say the Mac is better. I, I'm That's not my mindset at all. I love the Mac. And so therefore, if there were ever something from Apple or any other company that I thought was a better overall system than the Mac, that would be amazing because the Mac is already great. So it would be great if the iPad got better. I would love to see the iPad get better. So I, I don't understand the defensiveness on some people's parts. And that's one thing. I don't know how you get away with it because you're well known as a, a, an iPad power user and somebody who really, uh, it just fits with your brain. I mean, that's what you're trying to, I, I know what you're trying to say is like the reason it, that you like using an iPad for everything. And, and the reason why when people say, well, why don't you just use a Mac for that? Is that mm-hmm. the iPad is like it for me, Mac OS fits my brain. And maybe my brain has been warped to fit Mac OS over the years, but it's very clear from your writing and your enthusiasm and the clever things you come up with with shortcuts and stuff like that mm-hmm. um that the iPad OS just fits your brain right yeah. it it, yes. it is a natural extension of your brain and and it's like the lack of keyboard support is like at times for certain tasks one of your hands is tied behind your back yes 
Yeah. Yes. Like yeah. I feel bad for you. I feel that that I do. <laughs> I really do because I feel like right now it, it the iPad is constrained in ways that aren't. It's not like oh well that would be impossible to solve, right? Like if you if, just off the top of my head, if you really wanted Siri to be as intelligent as the HAL computer in 2001 and be able to hold a real conversation with you. Well, to get from where we are today to there is uh, an awful lot of work. And maybe, who knows, maybe it's not even technical pos- technically possible. AI is never going to get there. Whereas getting mouse cursor, proper mouse pointer support in iPad OS, that's obviously technically possible. <laughs> Right, like this is it's a, it's a design decision, not a technical or engineering limitation. Mm-hmm. It's like it's exactly that. Like it, it's it's so close, right? You can you can see the thing actually in front of you, but you cannot reach it, right? Um, especially now that that we have that that sort of like uh, external pointing device feature, but access an, it is an accessibility feature, so right. it's not exactly that. And it's so close, and you can feel like that reality is within my grasp. But the the closer you get, the the further away from you it, it escapes. And and that is why I'm so excited about this rumor. And as you said, the the the, the reason why I, I keep using the iPad is one, yes, because it does fit my 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 brain at this point better. And two, I would say because I ever since I, I was unable to get any work done, and we're talking now seven years ago, and everything is fine now. That is well in the past, but that. Like it scared me in the sense that I, the iPad, I working on the iPad. I know that I always have a fallback built in, in the sense that if I cannot work with my keyboard and my mouse and my vertical stand, I can still hold the thing in my hands and and stay in bed and and send mm-hmm. an email right. And so that I like th- that. Disability, you could say, like years ago, it 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 really left an impression in my brain in terms of I never want to just depend on a desktop computer ever again, and that is why I've always like been on a sort of quest to see like what's a way to to do this in with full portability, with full mobility, and and that is why like. I, I get a lot of people making fun of me whenever I, I share like a like a, a complex shortcut. And years ago, it used to be like a Python scripts with with Pythonista, mm-hmm. and, and it used to be URL schemes before that. And launch Launch but, Center Pro, which which would, Launch Center Pro, well, which is still yeah. a great utility. But Launch Center Pro, like when it first came out, was a way to get interapp interapplication communication all yeah. th- all through URL schemes, which can yeah. get complicated. <laughs> it can it, it can get complicated but still it did allow me to 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 be more efficient right. years ago so um i t- like i generally get why like people like you and 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 people like Stephen Hackett for example um prefer working on macOS and i think it's totally like, fine and i think it's so silly that some people on twitter think that like Oh, now they're gonna fight it out to the iPad guys versus the the Mac guys, and I, and I and I don't think it's like that at all. No, uh, I think if anything, like 
It is. There's there's a certain, and, and I struggle to explain this whenever I get into these arguments on Twitter. There's a beauty to the idea, like a fundamental beauty to the idea that that two operating systems can coexist within each other. And I, I see... I see the beauty in that in the in the sense of you can choose what you what you want to use. Like you can choose your favorite computer. And I think that's beautiful. And I think it's like yes, I like working on the iPad and yes, I would like it to be more like a Mac in in certain examples. But I like I I fully know that that it's not there yet and it's like because the, the those complaints that you get they always they also work the other way around like i get the comments from people saying oh you you're an ipad fanboy uh you're a zealot you're never you know you're never going to say that anything else is better right. and like that's so short-sighted and i fully uh, agree with you in the sense that there are some things that need to be need, need to be different for example uh, multitasking right <laughs> Like, uh, so here's what I'm going to say. Um, I think we need some kind of change. What I don't want to see is a regression for people like me. Because right. the current system, so I, the iOS 11 system for multitasking on iPad, based on heavily based on drag and drop for adding icons to split your slide over. I know that system, right? I, I know how to use it. I, I know how to operate it. I know how to use the dock and multiple apps in SlideOver. And those are powerful features. At the same time, I also think it's it's not the most intuitive it could be. It, I, I, think it's, I think it's too complicated for a lot of folks who are approaching the iPad now. At the same time, though, as a power user, I don't want to lose those features. So it's this kind right. of weird situation where, like, I know it needs to be different, but I also don't want to lose what I already know. I think, fundamentally, it's exactly the whole multitasking thing. And it is complicated. It is absolutely complicated. It, not just what what we already have being too complicated, but any idea of how to go forward is very, very tricky and requires really, really top-notch UI design at a conceptual level. But I really do also feel that it is ground zero of the fault line that iPadOS has found itself in between the Mac and iPhone, right? And that being, you know, in theory, the iPad could have been a, a version of macOS with bigger touch targets instead of the phone OS put on a bigger screen. I don't think it should have been. I think they made the right decision because I think that it put the UI stuff aside. There's all sorts. And, you know, this is another thing I've been writing about recently, but all sorts of complexity with the assumptions of Mac OS in terms of assumptions like that stuff can run in the background and that you can install apps from outside the app store and that you have direct access to the actual file system. And people mix that up, right? Like the files app on iOS could get so much better and still never actually show you the actual 
file system of the device. And I don't think mm-hmm. it ever should, right? It's that because it, right. it, it, it is conceptually better and cleaner to only show the user here are the files that are actual files that you create and read and diddle with. And all of the stuff, like the actual binaries for your application and stuff like that, and the actual operating system aren't even visible. That's a much better and cleaner design for people who aren't developers and actually aren't working at that level. Um, and the Files app has gotten a lot better. And I, I think it really, it's obviously an area where it can continue to get better without being mapped to the literal file system. Um, and I think it's such a better design. Uh, yeah. All right. Before we but go also, on, like it. <laughs> yeah. Before we go on with multitasking, let me do the third and final sponsor, and then we will run out the clock mm-hmm. on multitasking. But our third and final sponsor of the show is Linode. Oh, do I love this company too? Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. It's a hosting company. It's where you host websites. It's where I host Daring Fireball, and I love it. They have 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest in Sydney, Australia. They have enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible API-wise storage options, and uh, everything, of course. It's all modern. SSD storage across the board, 40 gigabit networking, industry-leading processors, their revamped cloud manager, that's the, just the fancy way of saying the web-based interface to your account. It's an open-source, single-page app, cloud.linode.com. It is fantastic. It is a, absolutely great in every single way. Hey, what if you're like a super nerd and you want like API access to, to your servers? Look, you get root access. They have an API with a com- Python command-line interface, full documentation at developers.linode.com. Uh, really just fantastic if you're a super nerd who knows even knows what it means to have a Python command line interface library to the server. And their plans, this is great, you think, but how much does it cost? Well, guess what? Their Nanode plan, that's Linode plus Nano for being small, N-A-N-O-D-E, starts as low as five bucks a month. And it's a really credible plan with like a gigabit of gigabyte of memory. And you can really go a long way with that. Uh, and it scales from that nanode plan, which is just five bucks a month, scales all the way up to dedicated CPU plans with physical cores reserved just for you with no CPU steal, if that's how high performance you need your stuff to be. Uh, they also have GPU computing plans that are suitable for AI and machine learning and video processing, of course, which always goes through the GPU to be efficient. All sorts of stuff like that. One-click installs of most of the popular apps, including stuff like WordPress, uh, uh, game servers for Minecraft, stuff like that, and more. Anything that you think might be a one-click install for your own custom server, they've got it at Linode. So use this promo code, TALKSHOW2020. TALKSHOW2020, when you create your new Linode account and you get $20 credit towards your next project with that $5 a month plan, that's four free months. And one last thing, they're hiring. Go to linode.com slash careers if you're like a sysadmin type and find out more. Uh, Once again, linode.com slash the talk show is the URL. linode.com slash the talk show and the promo code 
to save 20 bucks is Talk Show 2020. All right, the multitasking thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ryan, who works with you at Max Stories, what's his last name? I don't remember it. Uh, Christopher. Christopher. He had a really good article, and I linked to it. Uh, and I promised a fuller response, <laughs> which I haven't finished yet. I am working on, but I can talk about it here. But he had a, a proposal that I think was really good, and it tackled some of the issues I mentioned, which is that I think it's just so incredibly frustrating that the way that you get the first app on screen is the obvious way, which shouldn't change. You see the app, and you tap the icon, and it opens, and it's full screen. And the way you get the second app on screen is totally different. Mm. Um his idea for managing some of this is to use contextual menus. Uh, and I have a couple of, I've thought about it. I have a couple of problems with that. Mm-hmm. One is I think that at a fundamental level, contextual menus should always be a shortcut to something for which there's another way to do it. And unless I'm overlooking something on the Mac, you know, and contextual menus are what you get when you right click or control click is if you want to, you know, control clicking is a long dating back to the era when Macs only had one button mice from Apple. Uh, mm-hmm. Control click is always a synonym for right clicking. Um, I don't think there's anything you can do on the Mac in a contextual menu that there isn't another way to do it. If there's an exception mm. to that, I'd love to hear it. But I, I can't think of one, and I've been trying to think of one recently. Whereas Ryan's proposal would make certain things contextual menu only. And maybe that's mm. true. You know, and iPad OS is different than Mac OS, and contextual menus on iPad OS are different because now, like, you have to tap and hold to get to what I call jiggle mode to rearrange your icons on the home screen. And that's right. really only accessible through a contextual menu. Um, and one of the reasons, but, but even in files, but even in files, so the, the main difference I think is that on iPad, some actions are context menu only. Right. It is a little different, so maybe it would fit better. Um, mm. I just feel though that it's still at a, at a broader sense. I still feel that his contextual menu idea is still too indirect. Like if yeah. if mm-hmm. I have two apps open on my iPad at once and one's on the left and one's on the right. And I would like to swap them and put the one on the one side on the other. You can just drag it over, right? You you, you can just drag the one on the left over to the right, it, which is what you think would happen. I think way more of the multitasking features in the iPad should be like that, where you just do the obvious thing and you tap on a certain area, you know, and maybe the difference would be that they would have to add some, for lack of a better word, window Chrome, even though they're not windows. Like a window is a thing that floats around and you can drag it anywhere you want. I think it's actually a better idea for most people in most cases to have, for lack of a better word, a tile interface. Like that's one of the things that I feel like Apple is even struggling with. I don't think they know what to call things on iPadOS. They call things windows that to me aren't windows. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's more, uh, in fact, it's more descriptive in, in the API where they call them scenes. Right. And I think that's a, that's a better name for it because they're not Windows. They are multiple scenes for the same application. I think it actually makes more sense. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like in Safari, and you say new tab, you're on the iPad and you say new tab, 
it's very everybody gets exactly what you think. You get a thing that looks like a tab, and if you're used to tabs on you know Mac OS or Windows or Chrome OS or anywhere else where there's tabs in a browser, you get a thing now that looks like a tab in a browser. Whereas what they're calling Windows don't look like Windows anywhere else. And I feel like it's just is a it, it it's like the confusion of the concept as it currently stands leaking out into the language they choose to use to describe it. Mm-hmm. I just think that it should be a lot more direct. And, you know, that concept I linked to earlier this week from a kid, I call him a kid. He's 21 on Twitter. Uh, you know, where it more or less, and I don't know if that's the right decision, but I do, I saw a lot of people on Twitter who seem to like it, but the idea is that, you know, you kind of turn, if you want to have two apps on screen at once, it kind of, his concept to put it in as short of few words as possible, kind of turns each half of the screen into an iPad mini. And so if yeah. you like go up, if you have two apps at once and you zip one up from the bottom, you know, like the home screen shortcut, you get a miniature version of your whole home screen on the right half of the screen and you can just tap another app and it takes that half of the screen. Is that the right solution? I don't know. But it mm. something along those lines, though, feels so much more natural to me. And it feels more iPad-like. So so what I think is happening now um, is, if you remember when when Split View first came out in 2015 with iOS 9, uh, the way that you you used to invoke like a secondary app used to be that you would swipe from the right edge of the display and you would get like this scrollable list of icons. And those icons, in theory, were like right. your recently used apps. And you would tap one, and it would come in in split view. And we had that system for a couple of years. And at some point, we all started wishing for some kind of different picker view. And at the time, and this is like uh, 2016, so we're talking iOS 10, before 11 came out, uh, there were all kinds of concepts. I, I even commissioned one of them. I still have the video on, on yeah, Mac Stories. I remember um, this. Envisioning like, what if the right side of the screen was more like a home screen? And you would have like a grid of icons and you could search the icons and then you would tap. Just like you tap on home screen, you would tap and you would bring in the secondary app. And then iOS 11 comes out and WWDC 2017... Apple announces this new system and they swing in a completely different direction. And they're like, what if we took this idea of direct manipulation and we just went nuts with it? So anything, like you want to multitask, you can just drag things around and you pick up the icon and you bring it into a space and you create a split view and all of that. And so they, they, they took this idea of like on iPad... There's direct manipulation, there's multi-touch, so why not build multitasking around it? And I think now, a couple of years have passed, and, and iPadOS is now a thing, and you can, you can actually do more. You can uh, have multiple apps in slideover, you can have multiple windows, but we're back at square one, and we're saying, well, but what if you actually had a simplified picker mm. for split view? 
So I think at some point they just they just need to do it because it seems to be like this cycle that goes on forever. Uh, and, and Apple maybe eventually comes up with another solution, but maybe people just want to have some kind of home screen, some kind of launcher yeah. that is consistent with the actual home screen because the other systems... And I say this as somebody who really likes the current system, but maybe it's not that I like it so much that I know it well. Right. And 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 I think I even if I know it well and even if I can work my way around it, I know that it's flawed. I, I it works for somebody like me, but it, I know that it's not the best solution for other people. And I think at some point they just need to to do it. And maybe a home screen is a solution. Maybe some kind of different. Grid view is a solution, but the current system is more, maybe it's more fancy than it needs to be, right? Oh yeah, why did, you can pick up anything and, you, and if you drop it here, it becomes slide, slide over. And if you drop it there, it becomes split view. Yeah. And it's, it's fine for people like me, but it's not great for, for everybody else. It, it, the craziest thing about it, I, and I really think this is undeniably true, and this is why I love reading your stuff about it, is that you, as, as you know, an iPad aficionado, you know, you're perfectly willing to admit it. Is it, it to me? It's crazy that that to be a power user on the iPad is more complicated than to be a power user at the equivalent level and do the same things on the Mac. Like it should mm. not be that way. It should be easier on the iPad. Like the Mac is, has this historical cruft, you know, like I said, like just a perfect little stupid example. Like when you select an app or a file in the finder and you hit the return key, people expect it to open if they're not longtime Mac users, but that's not what happens. You re you're renaming the file and you have to hit command down or command open. Like the Mac has a whole arm's length long list of stuff like that that really should never change because it's too historically you know baked in and there's a reason for it being the way it is uh or, or the whole double you know what double i i wrote about this like that that you double click applications to launch them on the mac because single clicking selects it and it's worth it you know the the official way double clicking historically it, it was a shortcut. The official way, like in 1984, to open an application was to click on it, to select it, go up to the file menu and hit open, you know, and, mm. you know, because that, you know, it was, everything was sort of like through the, you know, the commands were in the file menu or, or in the menu bar, and then everything else was a shortcut. So there were keyboard shortcuts like Command-O as a shortcut for file open. And then they added a mouse shortcut, which is, well, what if you want to just skip the whole file menu and you're an advanced user, you could just double click the item. Well, everybody, you know, it ends up that's so much more convenient. Nobody selects an item and goes up to the file menu and hits open. Um, but then we wound up with a generation of people who think you have to double click links in a web browser because they think you double, <laughs> you double click to open stuff. It's, it's a, the, I love Mac OS and I love the Mac and I, I am so, so proficient in it, but I'm perfectly willing to admit it's, it is not, it is a target that the iPad should be able to surpass in, mm. in almost every regard for almost every user as just, just using it system, you know? Uh, yeah. I agree with that. It should empower everyone, yeah. not just people like me. Yeah. And, 
And it and, and <laughs> it's complicated to say that you can drag an. How do you move an icon from your first home screen to your second screen? Well, you you drag it, but dragging the icon is also the way that you make it a split screen app. You know, it's it, it mm. that's it makes sense when you understand the context of how you start those drags. But that sort of hey, just dragging the app icon does these two entirely different things. One of them is moving it; the other one is opening it up into a window in split view or or uh, uh, what's it called? Sl- slide over. Slide over. Uh, it that's that's. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about where to understand that makes you understanding more complexity than the Mac user under needs to understand to do the equivalent thing. Yeah, I and I look I don't disagree with that. I and I think what I was saying before like I, I don't want to lose the current options because I, as a as a pro user uh I do enjoy like the freedom that this system gives me in the sense that I can because I know how it works I can choose exactly where I want to drop an icon and how I want to make it a split view. Like I know all the all the little, sorry, <clears throat> I know all the little like hidden tricks right. of it. Like if you if you drop a, an icon toward the upper edge of the display, it becomes a full screen uh, window. And like all these little things, I know. But like, how would you even expose them to to regular? folks and i don't think that i i don't think that an, an onboarding process when you're setting up the no. ipad for the first time like those three pages i don't think those are nearly enough even with the short like, video that you see at setup and um and, and there's like what really surprises me though is that is that certain and, and you brought this up on daring fireball multiple times like there have been design issues with the current multitasking system on iPad. And, and before w- doing this, this episode, I actually went back and checked on Mac stories. And, and these are issues that I mentioned all the way back in 2015 yeah. in my iOS 9 review. Like, try and tell which side of a split view is in, as keyboard focus yep. uh, at any given moment. And they, they sort of quote-unquote, made it better in 13 by slightly changing the color of the pill-shaped indicator at the top of a split view. But good luck trying to tell the difference between two very similar shades of gray, if you can. And that's one of them. And the other design problem is there's such a tiny difference, like visually speaking, between dropping an icon and it becomes a split view item and dropping an icon, and it becomes a slide-over item. And basically, the difference is you got to take a look at the corner radius of the window to tell. Who came up with that? But also, how was it not fixed like five years later? And so, yeah, there's like... It needs it needs to empower everybody, and it does. You shouldn't have to read a manual or a review to know how it works. And and so basically, just to wrap up, I I really do, and I think we're exactly on the same page. I just think that iPadOS needs a little bit more visual affordances, you know. Yes, and and close buttons, right? Like, how do you close if you're in a, a app with multiple documents? How do you close a thing? Well, why isn't that a standard? Why isn't there a red button? And I really do think, and I don't want to pin it all on Johnny Ive's shoulders, but I kind of want to just pin it all on Johnny Ive's shoulders, (laughs) is that (laughs) I feel that in the post 
Johnny Ive is control in control of all UI, which is from iOS 7 forward, I feel like Apple has always erred on the side of minimalism too far. And mm. that they're just it there should be more that you can do by just seeing a thing on screen and being able to poke it with your finger and touch it to close it or touch it to drag it or touch it to move it. And just a little bit, not a lot, just a little. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, the, one of the things that the iPad OS already gets right is if you have two apps split screen left and right, you can swap them by just dragging it over and that's perfect. But I just feel like there should be more like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's not a, it's not a sin yeah. to have buttons or other visual affordances to, uh, once again, uh, you know, it's, it's great that we have these hidden gestures, but it's not so great for other people. No. And so and it should they just, should be shortcuts for for and I I feel like there should be a lot more that's exposed and maybe you have to take more steps to do it the visual one finger way tapping a thing you see on screen and that a you know multi-finger gesture or shortcut can be a shortcut for it for power users but there should still be a, a way that you can get there visually. Yeah. Uh my final question to you before we wrap up, is do you regret mm -hmm. do you regret naming the website Mac Stories? <laughs> well, I get I get asked this a lot, surprisingly. Um, I I really don't because it, it no. I'm, look, I'm honest. I really don't because it, it's. Um, at some point, like five years ago, I considered like uh, I should change the name of this website um, mm. because it's not who I am anymore. But then I, uh, it was a combination of well, now a lot of people know the website as Mac Stories, and and like it's you know it, it gets linked in a bunch of places. Do you really want to change those uh, name of the site? But also, it's a it's a nostalgic thing. Like it, it tells me it's sort of like a. In the name, I see that kind of uh, evolutionary path. Like, I started on the Mac, right? Uh, I started writing about Apple because I got my first MacBook, and I wanted to write about it. And so it, there's a there's a nostalgia component in that. And I maybe I do regret that the fact that the name does not fully describe <laughs> this, who I am at this point. The site of the most most advanced, most eloquent, <laughs> most proficient iPadOS power user on on the web <laughs> today. I, I laugh because there is a certain it's, charm to it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there's uh, it's and like you a do so, and it's not like you don't write about the Mac anymore. And and your colleagues, you know, it, there's a whole assortment of people there, like John Voorhees and yeah, Ryan, yeah. who we talked about, and and others who collaborate with you there. And it's not like you don't write about the Mac. Yeah, and and also yes, I keep it. I like to keep it like this because it's kind of funny. <laughs> that you know, the, the you can find a lot of like shortcut stuff and iPad stuff, and the website's name is Mac Stories. Yeah, and I think it's kind of funny. Well, it is one of my favorite websites. I thank you. It has been. I, I waited well, way you. too long to invite you to be on the show, Federico. It has been an absolute delight. Uh, my wife is uh, looking forward to this. She very seldom listens to my show, but she said that she cannot wait to hear your episode because she just enjoys listening to your voice. <laughs> last year, I, I first met her last year, I think in, you know, officially in person, and she kept saying, please keep talking. Because, <laughs> because 
because I want to listen to your accent forever. And so I just, I just kept talking. Yeah, I think what she wants, she's gonna, she's gonna text my editor Caleb and have like a, can she get a cut of this podcast where it just cuts my shit out? <laughs> I'm so sorry, John. Oh well, it's all right. I mean, but thanks for having me on, though. Uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Well, uh, it won't be the last time. Uh, everybody, of course, I just mentioned it. Max Stories. Uh, dot net. Hey, dot net party. You know, dot net. Yeah, Always, fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said you were thinking about changing the name of Max Story. Somebody asked me if I ever thought about changing Daring Fireball to DaringFireball.com. I own DaringFireball.com. Uh, no, I'm not going to change it. Um, uh, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Although if I did, I would use hover sponsor of the website to do it. <laughs> of course. Uh, so anyway, my thanks to you, Federico. Uh, everybody can read you. you and your team's fine work at maxstories.net. Uh, we will stay tuned for news on the iPad and I will thank our sponsors this week feels where you can get CBD delivered to your house. Uh, we had hover which I just mentioned, where you can register and manage your domain names, and Linode, the web server hosting company that hosts Daring Fireball, and I couldn't be happier with them. Uh, thanks. You could say thanks, too, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs>